in that dock. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Hello, and uh, welcome to uh, the uh, first Film Ireland podcast of 2015. I'm here with... Uh, Rory uh, Drum and uh, Richard Moore. I've uh, Rory Moore in unison now. Richard <laughs> Drum and uh, so uh, the last day there, they heard all about uh, what we heard in 2014. What do we think of 2015 so far? Starting with the news. I really hate how you segue into that. <laughs> I'm straightening a tie. I feel like I should be. Anyway, um, yeah. I, I'm going to start with Irish news as usual because we like to do that because that's in the title of the podcast. Um, so the first one is Sundance Film Festival is on at the moment and Yay. Brooklyn, uh, which is John we go hard Crowley. <laughs> John Crowley. Um, I can't do anything with Crowley. Uh, no, you can't. But I've read that book. You don't try. You have read the book. Uh, based on Colin Tobin, I should probably say the name of the film first. Brooklyn, Very good book. Um, Very nice man, Colin Tobin. Met him once at a reading of one of his books. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I can do a very good impression, but to be honest, it's just a crass camp voice. <laughs> so let's not do that. No, if we're stuck for time, I mean, maybe, but yeah. yeah. yeah so I recommend the books of Colin Tobin, though. Don't know about the film yet. Well, if you give me a second to speak, Fine. we will get to see it. Um, yeah, it's been picked up by Fox at Sundance after its first screening. It's getting re-reviews, all that crack. Pretty much the same uh, story that we had with Frank last year where it got picked up straight away. It's getting rave reviews. Yeah. It must be hard to hear the reviews over all the techno music. Oh, Lord. Um, Am I right? Based on a book by Cullum's Robin about a young woman who leaves 1950 Iron for New York and... um, In a DeLorean? (laughs) We're not drunk enough, I don't think. 1950s Ireland, so no, it wouldn't be a DeLorean. Go away. Jesus Christ. Yeah, but that's the way you said. She leaves 1950 Ireland. I'm sorry, I won't try to set you up Although, with innocuous oh, phrases my God, that would, like, uh, my, that would be like some humanitarian work if you ever had a DeLorean like, and you were to pick an era to rescue people from. I'd actually go to 1950s Ireland before the famine. Because the famine has a bit of a danger about it. Why? Um, well, it's just 1950s Ireland. It just sounds so shit. Even the movie said yeah, that. That's why people went to New York. It's just horrible. Just a big smelly boat. Big smelly boat, yeah. Anyway, it's a good book. Um, Who's yeah. in it again? Donald Gleeson and Saoirse Ronan. Oh, very good. I like one of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's this week's quiz, is it? <laughs> Texting with your answers. Yeah. I like. Um, yeah. So that is the Irish news, and pretty much all the Irish news. We want to have a bit of background vibration there. Bit of background vibration. Richard is currently being beamed up into UFO as we speak. Come back, Richard. Come back. The roof is kind of stopping me from leaving. Um, So that's uh, at Sundance, is it? And it's doing well? It is doing well. And also doing well at Sundance for Irish film is uh, Glasslands. You've seen... George Barrett, Pilgrim Head, haven't you? I have seen Pilgrim yeah. Head. This is his second film. Uh, have you seen Pilgrim Head? I, really I have not. No. Pilgrim Head. It's worth a look. It's quite good. I've heard that. Um, usual stories. I don't know if they're apocryphal or not, but wonder about how he, he made it with five grand loans from the credit union or something. Is it an Irish <laughs> film? Let's, uh, let's uh, correspond <laughs> here to uh, John Martin and Michael McDonough. Is it an Irish film? Yes. All right, very good. Only because there are cows in it, though. Oh, right, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we film boring things about cows. Are there cows in Calvary? Yes. I think well, there's, there's just fields with no there's cows. There's loads of fields. Maybe yeah. he had them digitally. There's a cow somewhere yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> He's ashamed of his roots. This is a no, no, no. Anyway. Uh, okay. God, we're so behind on our bitching. Yeah. 
That's ages yeah, ago. Still relevant. And I still kind of get where he was coming from, but I, I, I dug himself a verbal hole. But anyway, it's he's fun to I poke apologise immediately, so we're just being dicks about yeah, it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Grasslands is uh, Gerard's follow-up to Pilgrim Hill. It's about a uh, young taxi driver who's kind of trying to get his family out of debt between debt and drugs and this kind of thing. He's, yeah, I'm not sure. Driving a taxi is the best way to do that as yeah, well. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, you considering that... drive away from those Considering that, well, the, the, the place were deregulated a few years ago and it's very difficult to make money... Is he racist? Is who racist? <laughs> the taxi driver. I don't know that yet. Oh. It hasn't come up in the Sundance reviews. Okay. Shockingly. But, um... Do you have a mohawk? And that is out April 17th, I think. We haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure we will wax poetic about it when we do. Undoubtedly. Do you know why they call it... Do you know why it's called the Sundance Film Festival? I do not. Do you? No. It's run by Robert Redford. Oh. And founded by him. The Sundance Kid. Oh, that's... Oh, that's disappointing to know, actually. Are there any mm. really festivals? Probably like a pagan thing or something. That's less interesting. Oh, right. <laughs> we find that away for you know uh, another Sinora table quiz, so you can like win another yellow refill pad. Why not? Yeah. How else do I get my paper? How else do you get your paper? Sure. Buy it like a pleb. This is actually uh, Bank of Ireland diary from. <laughs> well, then there you go. Know, it's vintage. <laughs> I paid seventy. Even bleep out that mention of a financial institution, <laughs> please. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's pretty much that. Other kind of tangentially Irish news, uh, Michael Fassbender has been cast as Steve Jobs. Oh yeah, right, that's very good news. In a Danny Boyle movie, thank God, another Danny Boyle movie. Yeah, but I don't really, I, I, in this case I actually don't care because I don't want to see a Steve Jobs. No, I'm in the same camp as you. First of all, I do. I read a book about the guy, he's a very interesting guy, um, and any of the, anything that I've seen so far, I haven't thought much of. Um, that in documentary film they released about him, Billion Dollar Hippie, really wasn't up to much. It's more of a propaganda piece. There was an interesting take in the 90s, but it's so 90s it's painful to watch. It's called uh, um, Pirates of Silicon Valley. Yeah, it's, um, oh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting Even take, but name. it's so 90s it's genuinely painful. Like It's like John Hughes directed it. Um, I'm interested. But with the guy from ER. <laughs> Uh, character from your uh, as Steve Jobs a very uh, it's pants anyway um, but no way uh, and then I didn't watch that other oh the Ashton Kutcher one because Ashton Kutcher that was sounded there, dreadful when I heard um, it. yeah I just don't like Ashton Kutcher um, he didn't look the part though that's literally he did I say about that. I never saw well one. he does look like Steve Jobs but essentially there wasn't an episode of Punk featuring a black person that didn't involve the police answer that <laughs> <laughs> I can't verify that no. and back to the racist question yeah, again there yeah. we go Ashton Kutcher is a racist but, um, so, yeah, don't no, bleep that but out but it's going to be a new Danny Boyle movie also so that's interesting yeah it's going to be pretty if nothing else and I'm hoping it comes out more social network than anything that yeah. style of that will be appreciated and plus yeah. as well uh, like Danny Boyle the last film he released for me was the second kind of nothing of his career I didn't really feel Trance was up to much. Oh, Trance. Oh, I actually still haven't even seen Either it. Either yeah. yeah. And he has, I don't know if it's out yet, but he has an upcoming series with uh, James Nesbitt. That's right, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, it's, been put, it's been pushed back, I think. So uh, that kind of scares mm-hmm. me. But anyway, um, I'm, still, I'm the one who's going to be here like two weeks, giving out her loving Jupiter ascending, and that was pushed back by six months, so it's not like that's relevant. But anyway, um, yeah, next news then is, you're going to love this one, uh, Chris Pratt has been linked to Indiana Jones, potentially. Now, this is literally just a rumour, but... It's, it's such a good idea, though. It uh, just makes so much no, sense. It oh, it does. Sure. <laughs> I've already talked about it. About just it. put it down and fucking leave it. Oh, home. no, I agree. Kill it. But if they're, not, if they're not going to kill it, that is the best way of keeping it going. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would you rather Shia LaBeouf do it again? Right, first of all, no. I'd ra- uh, first of all, I'd like a new, uh, uh, new ideas in general, but that's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's not. I understand why they're fucking doing it but like the th- right he has a franchise already that's going that's just started and it looked like it's going pretty good mm-hmm. to be quite honest 
and yeah he's doing the thing in Jurassic World it feels like they're just floating this rumour out there to, to piss me off just because what, what does it piss me off about it so much is that the original Indiana Jones movies despite making a shit ton of cash mm-hmm. being great blockbusters really came from the heart and were made by people who loved movies and wanted to make them. Yeah. Um, they're made with a, a helping of affection. I mean, even the deluded fever dream that is the fourth one that's just been cancelled out of existence, you, like, it does feel like it comes from George Lucas's heart just from the fact that it's quite... It hollow, his heart was hollowed out. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just from the fact that it's quite simply bonkers and stupid as the Star Wars prequels was. Very true. Um... I thought like the first ones they're, they're just great and just why do you why does it need to be made the world doesn't need this well I don't feel any outrage that they're you know resurrecting it and dancing it around yeah money it's more those films just don't work today bar the nostalgic crew who are going to go see it and hope it's like the early Indiana Jones if it was exactly like the early but you Indiana know Jones, the thing is as well like would you prefer no, a modern no, update of it no, that'd be even no, worse no, I'd, 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 I'd have to I'd have to interject on that they, I think the only difference is they wouldn't make Indiana Jones nowadays. I think you still, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I think genuinely, you if you showed Indiana Jones to nine out of ten children today, they'd still go like the original ones. I think they'd still go, "Oh my effing g, that's fantastic." I don't know. I've often debated that about Star Wars. I'm not sure if they would anymore. What, pe- what people? No, I think Indiana Jones actually has more appeal for the youth than Star Wars. It's less complicated. It's just a roller coaster ride. And I I'd think agree especially much, yeah. the weakest, what people perceive as the weakest one being Temple of Doom, yeah. is such a roller coaster ride. Like I'm literally yeah. almost actually in the mine shafts. But uh, it's such, and it actually. Oh God, I'm terrible. It's a it is ride, a Disneyland actually. ride. <laughs> it's a ride in Disneyland Paris. No, I mean, you go my, backwards in a mine shaft. Like my fundamental thing on this is, I, I don't care. Like I have great nostalgia for the older ones. I still love them. I will still love them. They're still great. I'm probably going to see the new one, but I have no interest at the same. I time. actually won't. I think it's one of the few things I can say out loud that I, I won't see this. Yeah, it's like I've you never. I've come back saying it actually no, does it no. I've never watched no. the American Office, and people say that's pretty alright. I'm just like, no, that's perfect. Why, why are you going near it? And that's the commitment. Indiana Jones right. trilogy, as is, and I think people. Have, the funniest thing about the fourth one is, despite the fact that it made loads of money, I think just the world at large is kind of pretending it didn't happen. Yeah, which is grand. Like everything I read about that implied that it was uh, kind of a test in the waters for relaunching it with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, it was being Indiana Jones's mm. son and carrying it on Henry Junior Junior. Which actually, it, it it turned out to be a sort of a, a zeitgeist occasion because that was it was nearly somebody put posted a, a ninety nine thesis on the on the doors, uh, just saying, "Do you not get it, Hollywood? We don't like Shia LaBeouf. Nobody likes Shia LaBeouf. Stop it." I'm sorry, have you not? You've seen that musical video? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Shia LaBeouf, crazy. That's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, type that into Google, people, if you haven't seen him before. Ah, I liked him in Even Stephen. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a throwback. Yeah, he sold out. He hit puberty, and it was like he just didn't need it anymore. Oh god, he, he was such a cool little kid in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, no. To be honest. I can't see it happening. Um, I'd actually take a. Uh, I could see it happening. Look at the box office for Guardians. I can very much see yeah, it happening. Well, that's actually the saddest thing about it for me is he has such currency now that he could yeah. do that he wants, and he's attached to this. Well, no, sorry, this is rumored, but he's in Jurassic Park. He's mm. attached to the mi- mi- uh, Magnificent Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah, happening yeah. as well? Huh? Yeah, okay. with Denzel Washington. Oh God. And. What's the actual? Uh, yeah, he's already done Han Solo in Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah, <laughs> that's why this is happening. It's probably why he was also happen. stealing an artifact at the beginning of that film, which was exactly yeah. like the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And wasn't it great then? So yeah, you'd watch yeah, it again. Just turned into like it's like someone in Hollywood went. Do you know what that's like? I bet no one has thought about that. <laughs> going, no, that's what we were doing. No, it's not. <laughs> but there's a certain appeal, 
right, Harrison Ford as a leading man in that kind of role yeah. is, is very, very special. There's nobody else really who can do it. But even he can't do it anymore. I think Chris Pratt actually, this sounds dickish. They'll just make him be Chris Pratt. That's what they'll do. Just do some acting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they'll just make him be Chris Pratt. Pratt. But he's so entertaining to watch. I know, but even when you look at, um, I don't know if any of you watch Parks and Rec, but that's almost about him uh, in some way. Which is no, again, he's Mm. quite funny, but it's kind of like he has enough currency now, he can do whatever he wants. He's hatched enough franchises where... Well, he's not going to do like these kind of like French art house movies. No, is he? He's going to just attach himself to like the likes of the films James Gunn was making. He before could do. He made Guardians of the Galaxy. That he kind could of do. Yeah. I mean, um, no, they're they're like. Okay, people people have made people have made stranger leaps before. Like, look at Adam Sandler showing people he can act occasionally. He well, that. maybe we're looking five. <laughs> that one ahead of the curve for once. I'm going around. We're looking five years out of line where he's going to do the the necessary thing every actor like that has to do. It's kind of oh, but I can do serious acting. Nymphomaniac Part Three. <laughs> this is my Oscar movie. But uh, yeah, on a slightly related note, we also have Ghostbusters news. We're you know dragging out our childhoods. As someone who actually hasn't seen the original ah, Ghostbusters, just, I don't care. Like as well, yeah, the director of that as well. Like, like the right, what's it? Paul Feig. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he's just produced all sorts of dross, as far as I'm concerned. Is he he, he can just keep going. I don't mind. I mean, like to be honest, the the uh, it's what what annoys me about the Indiana Jones uh, film is that the people are t- are tackling that very much. You can see it from every angle, not from a loving movies point of view. The new Ghostbusters thing is just going to be bad, and your man probably thinks it's going to be good. But it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. So who gives a shit? Well, you're always going to get to talk about the fan service, even if no matter how cynically they're they're attacking it. Like it's it's. Uh, this isn't going to be good. It's like like this guy. This is the guy who heralded that that thing with um, uh, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, Tammy. Oh, Tammy. Yeah. Yeah, which was apparently a passion project of theirs for years, and it is <laughs> so fucking bad. <laughs> And I don't, I don't think there's worse things than a comedy missing the point, like, and that's so fucking bad. Well, actually, that's what I was going to say. Like, I, I actually quite like the cast of it: Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, and mm. Leslie Jones, except for Melissa McCarthy. I like Melissa McCarthy, but I have a feeling she's going to be. Just... She's like getting Melissa a lot McCarthy? of hate the these days. Been saying this for ages. What do you like, Melissa McCarthy? In? I like her in Bridesmaids. She was good in Bridesmaids, she's yeah. Done pretty much the same role. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't like her in Bridesmaids. Uh, well, I she's got, she's got one of the funnier scenes in the film. But overall, it's just like, I'm big and I'm loud and that's her thing. I don't yeah, like Melissa I mean, McCarthy. It, it, it's kind of a... When's she been good in anything? She if, was good in Gilmore Girls. I'm going to fucking hand in whatever credibility I have to write now and say she was good in the Gilmore Girls. forgot that show existed yeah, list now. She good in the Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Also, my name. Oh, yeah, Rory. Attached to a Rory Gilmore. Rory. Also, I'm pretty new, so it's fine. Um, I'm so confused what you're talking about right yeah. now. <laughs> You've never seen Gilmore Girls? I've seen bits of it. I couldn't name the characters sure though. In two film degrees. No? Well, do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh god, just turn on like probably network television at one o'clock any day, any country. You'll find Gilmore Girls. No, I've seen bits of it. Yeah, that way. It's where I got me. It's a, like uh, yeah, Adam, my housemate loves it as well. Actually, um, and it, no, it's just. It's it, like it, it has that same thing that Dawson's Creek has going on for it. It's just like it's kind of grating it's just like okay first of all nobody talks like that like screenwriters maybe talk like that when they draft the way they speak a few <laughs> times in their heads like it's just so glaringly like and intellectual the Joss like, Whedon paradox some, I'm sorry, it, I'm sorry like the writers might be like optimistic about the way the future is mm. but nobody who can speak that well works in a fucking coffee shop <laughs> Yeah, but that show went on for so long that there are definitely like twenty-year-olds in America now who do talk like that because they grew up watching the Gilmore Girls. Yeah. That's came to this. 
This is getting really crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. But uh, any other news? Okay, cool. Oh, I have one thing. Um, Sky Arts funding giving out ten grand for uh, at least one proposed short film script. Uh, the oh, yeah. uh, that's ending at the end of February, so you've got a few weeks left on that. Um, I'm gonna shove something in. I think maybe this podcast could use a bit more of a budget, personally. <laughs> um, Stick your camera up in the corner. A new, a, a new Richard, a new Rory. Come on. It's gonna be. I I like Hammond. I love his presenting work. I'll happily be bought out. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having a clone. Yeah. And Rory from the Gilmore Girls, which will I know will <laughs> yeah, involve hiring an actress, but she's so pretty. Well, I'm already gonna be in the actual Gilmore Girls remake. Oh, good to know. Because right. yeah, I do speak like that. All but, right, cool um, So we have we do have interviews. Terence McMahon. Uh, Terence McMahon, director of Patrick's Day, which we'll yes. be reviewing at a future date on the podcast. Jingle, 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 jingle. Wondering, like at the kind of the starting point. The, of the movie uh, wanted to make a film about a schizophrenic mm. and the reason being is that schizophrenia you know, in the reductionist sense of the diagnosis is about the inability to differentiate between illusion and reality and I wanted to find a way of thematically exploring that in a dramatic construct mm. I love characters who have difficulty defining the difference between illusion and reality I love characters who have the courage to pursue what they think is right, despite the fact that the consequences can be profound. So in the negative and the positive, I think it's a great thing that we, res- we respond to, the aspiration of a character. And all the characters in the film, with no exceptions, have an aspiration towards something that might be minute to us, but profound to them, or might be profound to us, but is only seen as minute to them. So a mother who's trying to protect her son, who believes that her love will justify all kinds of aberrations, is in itself the kind of mental illness that we're exploring. And I love the idea of having a character who thinks that despite all consequences, they must do what they believe is right. On a political level, as a political metaphor, we have a government doing that at the moment, who justify to themselves completely aberrant behavior, trying to qualify it as being beneficial to the people, when in actuality they are doing untold damage. So it works as a political metaphor and as a human story. We don't understand. He has mental health issues. He's not able to look after himself. I was just interested in the reception that uh, the film has got to people who suffer from these kind of mental illnesses. Has the reception been positive? Have they been good about the portrayal of it? Well, it's funny because before we made it, I made sure the script was as freely available as possible to anybody who wanted to read it. And we did a lot of research and I spoke to many different groups and many different individuals on both sides of the diagnostic fence. And schizophrenia is such a controversial subject anyway. It's such an emotive, extreme response so I met with people who claimed that the film was not representative of their lives. And I met others who claimed that the film was like it was rec- their life recorded and summed up. So we wanted to make sure that we did not cause any unintentional offence to anybody, but at the same time we wanted to remain true to an authentic world. And what subsequently happened is I received a staggering amount of letters and emails from people who've been so profoundly moved by it and feel empowered by it within the reductionist realm of their diagnosis that it's actually humbling really humbling and then we have people like Professor Ivor Brown one of the great mavericks in Europe stand not just toe to toe in or shoulder to shoulder with the film but actually make these extraordinary declarations about how authentic it is in the realm of his 45 years of experience we have Dr. Garrett O'Connor the amazing Garrett O'Connor from the John Hopkins Institute the head of the former head of the Betty Ford Clinic we have him making these extraordinary public statements about the film. So it's 
it's working in a way that has even transcended our aspirations. What are you doing here on your birthday? Waiting. You got a name? Patrick. In Christ, you weren't born on April Fool's Day. To talk about uh, Mo Dunford and mm-hmm. role. I understand that you kind of had to fight to get him into, keep him into this role. Well, Mo was one of those. I, I think Mo is kind of a one of the generation talent, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Uh, but nobody knows that yet. So there are people who understandably and justifiably are saying, we have a couple of well-known named actors who want to play this role. Why are you going with an unknown? And I believe that Mo had the capacity to go to a place that no one else really could go to. So in order to justify casting him, I brought him home after the casting. There was a, a football match on that night. It was a couple of mates of mine coming around to have a beer. And uh, we got Mo drunk and brought him into the sitting room and my daughter has this beautiful dog a border collie mix and the dog jumped all over him and licked his face and gave him such love and he was telling the dog how much he loved her and the whole lot and I was filming it I uploaded it to YouTube sent it to the financiers and they cast him that night have to look up that on YouTube now <laughs> it'll be on the DVD extras <laughs> oh great okay um it's pretty much been justified, really, because of Mo in the Rising Star. Mm. When the shooting star in Berlin, he's mm. won uh, awards in America, and he's been embraced in a way in America that's incredible. Mm. You know, heavyweight agents, heavyweight cast and directors, heavyweight everybody suddenly want to be a part of him. So he's and in in defence of the finances, they were profoundly happy with him in the end. So it's just you know, it's one of those things where to take a risk on an unknown entity is a difficult thing. If it doesn't pay off. You're in trouble. If it does pay off, everybody's thrilled. You need to take that risk anyway to, mm. to ensure. Most of the times we don't, though. Mm. Most of the times... No, we, you need to stay safe. Yeah. We, we just replicate what we feel already works. And that's one of the reasons why that repetition becomes tiresome for an audience. Jingle, 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 jingle. And now, lads, here we are back uh, in the basement. I know uh, you're going to be here in our own valued opinions. Uh, it's been a while since we've been in here and there's been a whole Oscar season to really wade through but well, since we've had valuable opinions too <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna suppose uh, we pop open with uh, one we were all literally in the screening for together over in the lighthouse there a couple of weeks ago uh, which is Alex Garland's directorial debut Ex Machina what did we think of it? Ex Machina please <laughs> sorry this is a bit of a Tiernan show yeah, so I suppose a quick summary first. This is Alex Garland, uh, his first film as director, but mm-hmm. he's been writer behind... Uh, 20 Days Later, yeah, Wrote the Beach, Need yeah. the Book, I think. Basically, a lot of good movies. Indeed. Also Dread. Dread. Oh, Dread, yeah. Dread. Dread. Um, such intellectual forays as that. But yeah, so actually, I really like the, the, the... Oh, it's a great movie. movie. I did yeah. too, yeah, but it's kind of like, there's something... It's one of those few ones that I genuinely recommended to people a lot that they see in 3D. The 3D, I saw it in the cinema, it was... Brilliant. Mm, that was fantastic. Anyway, uh, Ex Machina is the story of a young programmer named Caleb who is invited to uh, the kind of mountainside retreat of this big tech mogul uh, played by Oscar Isaacs. Um, And basically, as the week unfolds, he realizes he's there to test this new form of AI. But uh, yeah, all is not as it seems, which it rarely is. It will be a warning for you if it was. Right, now I hate to uh, use this particular turn of phrase, but what is the name of your one who plays the robot? Uh, is it your one you hate saying? Um, That's bug lingo, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Alicia Vikander. She, oh, well she, done. She's the I best thing in this film. Oh, yeah, whatever. She, she was brilliant. Um, I think the film itself, I thought it was really, really, really good. Um, I, 
when I first saw it I thought that's a perfect movie to begin as a director because it shows what you can do with a budget but Mm. then the more I think about it and the way Alex Garland has um, made movies before uh, he's tended to work towards isolation and isolated situations in a lot of his writing it's very true Um, small groups of people yeah yeah. and this essentially I mean okay kind of has four characters and there's some extra characters at the start but not really this is about three characters yeah and overall, I really liked it. It kept me uh, guessing in a lot of ways. First and foremost, I didn't really know who to root for. Well, I, I knew not to root for Donald Gleeson because I never root for him. Um, Rule of thumb of this podcast. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I just don't like him. I think he played the same character as he did in Frank. Um, He's very good at playing that one character, well, but... and that, I think Frank nearly. is more insidious, but I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah, He's like the eternal everyman. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, as with everything, I loved Oscar Isaac in this. Um, he was terrifying. He was just that, terrifying. that beard and the, boy, the wife right, beater. Yeah, no, uh, like, yeah, he's a total alpha male. He's built like a brick shithouse from the, from the moment he gets in. Um, and just hard drinking, punching a punching bag, big crazy beard, shaved head... There was such an uneasy air, even about the house, the house that, that mm, was in. I love the house, though. Yeah, oh, I love the house. <laughs> I you know, want to live in that house. Really? Yeah. I must go, go there. there yeah. It's quite an ad. I've been reading loads about the production of this film just because um, it just, I thought it was a really interesting one. Yeah. And I thought, as well, when I was going in, I thought this is, uh, basically, hold on, first of all, the, the premise of the film, it centers around a Turner test. Mm-hmm. Turing, Turing test. Turing, Turing yeah. test. Turing yeah. test being uh, Alan Turing yeah. of the imitation game, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 not a great film. Well, okay, it was, right. it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, kind of, uh, we're not talking <laughs> no, about it. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the, it's, a, it's a Turing test. And um, I, when I read that that was the premise for the film, I did not think it could be near as interesting as this film actually was. I kind of agree with that. When I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, it looks good. Oh, it's a Turing test. That's a bit... mm." I think a trailer has become a thing thing for a film now where you have to put out just enough to get people interested that you're going to end up frustrating the expectations of it, which is exactly... That's true. This this trailer implies a storyline that it's the trailer set Mm. to fall down, basically. Um, Yeah, I really loved it. Oscar Isaacs... uh, Is it Isaacs or Isaac? Isaac. Um... Yeah. Is it? I thought it was Isaacs. That no. doesn't matter. Whatever. Move it's on. Isaacs. I'm sure. It's Isaacs when, he, when, he, when, he, when, he, when he owns something. And you want to include that in a sentence. Um, go for it. But uh, yeah, there was, like you were saying, he's really physical in it, but there's always this air of like implied violence that never quite mm. pans out. That really makes yeah. the whole thing really, really tense. But no, the main thing I love about this film was it would have been very easy for it to turn into just another rendition of Oh, Sexy Female Robot is she manipulating people. Now, it's certainly that to an extent. Yeah. But there's without going into spoilers there are kind of twists and turns and then mm. they get a little bit more than that and Elizabeth Gander plays that really well I think she does she's brilliant she's her movements just her, the way she yeah, moves yeah. it's so precise and oh she's fantastic yeah, yeah, score yeah, as well was great the only, score was really good yeah we're saying you very massive effect, yeah we're yeah. saying after it's very massive effect and a little bit of Blade Runner type stuff yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's really and just, really that good. dancing scene was one of the creepiest oh, things I have oh it was great it was one of the creepiest things about this film is it would have been very easy for it to go down the route of showing gratuitous sex or yeah. violence or this kind of thing and it actually undermines that a little bit but more than that and it's kind of quiet and confident I think I gotta say uh, all credit to uh, Alex Garland because he has constructed a very near perfect screenplay as far as I was concerned mm-hmm. I wouldn't give it a um, five star out the bat just purely because I didn't think it. I didn't think it actually was going for those levels yeah. I think no. at base level it was it was a very existentialist piece that um, went for something different and on a lower key. And I thought that the proposition 
it's been done before in other things yeah. but never with such a, a positive air that if if the next series of evolution is machine let it happen because it's like it, it like I was left thinking after it genuinely I was left thinking uh, well sure I mean we didn't, we didn't really give a shit about the apes when we left them for dirt did we why should machines give a shit about us if they're the next thing if we created them why not yeah. and I thought that the film worked as nearly like life in a flat circle and uh, that's what I found so interesting about it I thought it was a very interesting meditation time is a flat circle <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say that yeah, yeah but yeah, I I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like it wasn't looking to do anything. It kind of it was kind of the hard sci-fi that I love. It was saying you don't need an explosive no. per act. I was so happy there wasn't because I was waiting for like the, you know the massive army of robots to show up and yeah, have a big yeah, all shit. Yeah. But it didn't happen. I was so happy it didn't the scene happen. Where you realize that there were again, it's been out a while. It's not too spoilery. Yeah. But the scene where you realize that she's obviously not the first is really really well done. And it's yeah, that was terrific. genuinely creepy. And um, yeah, the violence is, is look, we were even saying this after. It's not forceful. It's like an after. Thing. No. And mm. um, yeah, so I think we all quite enjoyed that. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I think we're gonna have to do our obligatory wade through all of Oscar season and all the big names in that now should we do like one noise reviews of each uh, we like can... that kind of noise just, you know we'll say, name a film and they go yeah. oh, okay okay, okay. So someone's going to cut into this midway through and be kind of like, they just get really friendly midway or <laughs> hmm, if, if I was to give a film from Oscar season that noise so far it'd be Into the Woods now I know you liked it that's not an Oscar movie though is it is that up for it's, something yeah, oh, it's, up, yeah, it's, up, yeah. it's up for something well I just went into it thinking it'd be a pile of crap because I don't like musicals and I thought it was quite funny in the end like the musical as, as a musical it fails because I can't remember any of the songs none of them are memorable but as a comedy I thought it was pretty good it's kind of like the Lego movie I thought no there's talking <sighs> there's talking bits Emily Blunt is genuinely hilarious I yes, didn't think she could fun. do comedy the way she can and there's that one song near the middle the somewhere the lyrics are too intrinsic is the thing yeah, the crap. lyrics are all plotty there's yeah. no standout numbers yeah um, but that one, uh, the Chris Pine other Prince character singing off, you remember that scene? That was really funny, I thought. When they're oh, having yeah, their, no, yeah. I thought that was. Meryl uh, Streep is fine. Johnny Depp is dreadful. Johnny Depp, Depp is, is atrocious and rapey and, and creepy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I thought Little Red Riding Hood was good as well. She was I funny, yeah. Was a, I thought there was... James Corden is impressively bearable, which is, you know, a shock. No, no, I like James Oh, Corden. I despise him. No, there was a lot of things in this that I liked, but overall I thought to myself, that looked like it was really good on the stage. Yeah, okay. Great example of a movie that for me really made it in the cinema from the stage from a massive stage show is uh, Les Mis yeah. I thought that was excellent I thought it was really really something um, I thought it, it, they made it feel like okay yeah this needed to be taken off the stage and given the cinematic treatment Into the Woods for me it felt like god that would have looked that would have worked way better <laughs> on a stage um, I've never really enjoyed sorry Rob if you're listening I've never really enjoyed anything Rob Marshall has done and I'm a big fan of musicals I am um, so for me this was just about alright even if you're a fan of musicals you could probably miss this one yeah like I wouldn't say you'd need to see it in the cinema but if it's just on a TV somewhere it is I thought it was quite funny it's not a good musical but it's as a sort of Lego movie style Disney movie yeah it's alright well no if you're going if you're, go, if you're going for no it's deconstruction it's all yeah, it deconstruction is. of uh, fairy, fairy tales. stories uh, yeah. basically okay sorry we're, we're we didn't even give a good <laughs> everyone knows what it is 
So hold on, you got a Jack and the Beanstalk, Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, Cinderella, and and a little Rapunzel story called yeah Rapunzel, a little known story called The Witch's Garden, all going on simultaneously. That's the the people stealing from the witch's garden, the vegetables, all going on with a bunch of Prince Charmings in the mix for good measure, and basically all the stories kind of get resolved midway through, and and then it becomes Attack on Titan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is infinitely better. I haven't seen Into the Woods, but then the Attack on Titan, someone. It uh, goes the deconstruction angle, um, and yeah, it's interesting. But if seriously, if you want to go the deconstructing angle, I'd much more recommend the short stories of Angela Carter because um, this kind to of children less to sing about than that somehow yeah. um, well this I wouldn't this isn't a movie for children yeah I've heard well, no that's that this movie is but it's I don't the stage so. show wasn't from what I, I understand uh, well I mean I thought it felt very sanitized what about uh, the without giving anything away hopefully yeah. what about uh, the way Emily Blunt's story comes to an end that was I thought that was the worst thing in the film I was like that is the most horror movie logic of you know here's a female character we don't want anymore let's have her transgress and then um, plop yeah, her out well, but there's like there's a lot of that um, I know what you mean I, though. I, I, it, it, it was aimed a bit higher age wise than yeah. most of these films are but I still think it is aiming for a relatively young audience and I think yeah as well they, like there's some things yeah that they're, they're aiming for a, a slightly higher age but I, I think Johnny Depp I think Johnny Depp was just misjudged I don't think if they, I would love if to know the realised how creepy and pervy that would be they wouldn't have included it wait so is he like a he's the, he's the wolf the way that he's the the basically yeah. that's what yeah it, it yeah, actually is yeah. closer to the old fairy tales in some ways his one especially he's just genuinely rapey and creepy and he awful and grim basically yeah, yeah. Like, even the song about his character is just the most creepy lecherous thing it's so dreadful the, the deconstruction is not, I'm just going to see it based on this I mean yeah watch it for those reasons the deconstruction is not successful ultimately the one thing that I really give hats off to for it um, because is the way that they didn't show the giant uh, really I thought that was that kind of yeah although by the end I was kind of bored I wanted her to show up so I was like oh just show it yeah well they could have just gone for a big Michael Bayism on that but overall it didn't tie well together for me um, yeah, it'll be interesting from a distance I'm sure there's loads of wanky things <laughs> being written about the deconstructions already but overall on that note Birdman uh, oh yeah okay let's uh, let's uh, go Birdman so Birdman. Rory well uh, hold on I can pronounce names too Alejandre Gonzalez in Aridu except now it's not Alejandre G in Aridu mm. because that's a given you have to lose syllables when you All make right. it okay. um, yeah so Birdman is basically about a washed up actor who was kind of played a superhero in the 80s and is now kind of I suppose trying to regain some shred of credibility by putting on uh the Raymond Chandler, Raymond Chandler yeah. Uh, on Broadway. Raymond Carver, Raymond Chandler Raymond. wrote Detective Sorry, Stars. yeah. I was wondering oh, you're right. Yeah. enjoyed playing the film more. Um, but yeah, basically it's, and it's kind of, it just does not go his way between contending with diva mm-hmm. actors and... Uh, his daughter. Yeah, and, addict yeah. daughter. And uh, yeah, uh, but it's, it's straddled somewhere between comedy and drama. It does it very well, I think. I know Richard's going to disagree possibly. Um, yeah, I really, 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 really enjoyed this. Possibly because it's, Michael Keaton just had to swallow so much pride to even accept the role but I'm glad he did because he's brilliant in it um, there's so much uh, there's so much in this film that I love right actually I've only seen it once and I keep being to rewatch I've it. seen it twice um, now one of the things I love about it is it's it gets a bit it gets a bit meta on itself in a way that the books of John Irving have now bear with me for a second <laughs> okay 
the books of John Irving pretty much come to a climax and then they're just brilliant after The World According to Garp because he couldn't stop writing about his own just sort of dramatic life and inwardy feelings until eventually he and I've read this in John Irving's autobiography he just began to sort of meditate on stories and allow them to happen naturally and then he achieved greatness with Garp and then he was able to construct stories uh, perfectly after that just just stories that needn't have necessarily involved involved his own emotions. Now I feel like this is the way Inaratu's career has gone. Like there's he's gotten he has some forgettable stuff. His first film is fantastic. Amor Eros Peros, Twenty One Grams is very good. Babel is very forgettable. Beautiful with Javier Bardem, I really enjoyed, and I reckon that's the film he started meditating on storylines. And I reckon really with Birdman, he's gone to somewhere very very interesting with that concept and that's the fact that the main character in this is essentially ego and um, now what Richard is going to say about this has already (laughs) been said by a number of film critics and I can uh, it's that it's pretentious and the way that Inaratu approached the storyline is distracting in that it's it's conceived and sort of constructed as a one shot film Mm. and there's a very bumpity bumpity jazz drumming score which I I really I thought that worked so well. I'm on the fence about the score. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it either. It didn't really do anything for me. Yeah, other it's than not kind of present in a sense that you're saying give that an Oscar, but <sighs> I thought it was an atmosphere that I really liked. Yeah. In places, things are happening, and yeah. what you would imagine behind the scenes on a play to be, and the fact that it was one continuous shot gave the. Rachel will hate my next remark particularly because <laughs> this was one of those films that I Is it about his mother. I don't, I don't <laughs> break silence a great deal, a, a, a great deal, very directly when I'm watching a film. But I did something during this film that uh, the last time I remember doing it was during the Lego Movie, which I right. adored, which was nudge the person beside me and go. Can you believe how fucking good this is? That's how much I love this film. Richard, go on. Well, I saw it alone, so I had no friends to see it with. Um, <laughs> it was the couch so beside me. <laughs> no, um, I, I, when I first saw it, I was a bit annoyed about it. I've gotten less annoyed. You actually kind of sort of sold it to me the last time we talked about this when you said that, yes, everything it's saying isn't new, but the way it presents it is pretty much the best way it's represented those kind of themes on it. And I kind of agree with that. I just think it really comes across like it's it's saying the most important, most original thought, and it just isn't. And like, okay, I really enjoyed it. I laughed the whole way through, I'll watch it again. The ending was absolute bullshit, but aside from that, the score is fine. Keaton is excellent. Keaton's absolutely fantastic. Norton's pretty good. Emma Stone's really good. Um I just I even thought Naomi Watts was really good. She's okay for like I didn't understand her subplot though. Oh yeah, he's very good, yeah. Very sinister towards the end, which I really liked because usually he's affable. And the theatre critic was excellent. Lindsay Duncan, she's great, yeah. It had it had my favourite shot that I've I've seen in a film this year so far, and that was when um he that I'm not going to say what happened in this particular bit, but basically when the camera focuses in on the audience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're looking up yeah. at them, and uh, I just thought that was magical. In terms of it saying, it trying to say something, I never really got that. There is that one scene where he's talking directly, you're sitting there yeah. as a critic, because I'm frustrated. <laughs> the and there's a part where towards the end of that scene, I was like, lay off me a second, I'm here to enjoy this, so I'm here to that that feels a bit preachy, but I, oh, I no, but you see, I, 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 the, his little rant about a critic, I think, is basically in a ratter, just trying to send up an actor, an actor of it, because no, everybody in that, it's not having a go at critics. It's just that's the classical thing that. Mm. Uh, like bitter actors or, yeah, or directors kind of say at critics, yeah. like like Vincent Gallo um, 
when Roger Ebert had a tirade about him, actually I was reading up on this again the, the other day it was so funny uh, when he gave out his film The Brown Bunny um, he uh, called uh, Roger Ebert a fat pig and he said uh, I might be fat but someday I'll be thin but he will always be the director of The Brown Bunny <laughs> to which he, uh, Vincent Gallo responded I put a, a hex on the colon of Roger Ebert and he said well then I'll have to get a colonoscopy and it will still be more entertaining than The Brown Bunny which is just like don't get into a word of wars with someone who uses them professionally but I don't think that's what he was doing or with the scene in the critic like the first one I, 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 I saw we thought he was like trying to deconstruct theatre and have a go at that I didn't think yeah, really that at all I think it was just when you zero down to basics it was about ego and performance in every capacity that exists even her review of the play in the end was total horseshit yeah that actually that pissed me off a lot but, but the whole but like, last act kind of annoyed me I think but like I I, I Everything that people have been saying that has been annoying them about that, I genuinely think that's what it's going for. You see, that's, what, that's what I can tell. I'm not sure if the film is intentionally like two layers of meta, show, kind of like South Park, like showing you all this stuff, but not making a judgment call and just saying, isn't everything stupid? Or if it actually is trying to say something. And if it's trying to say something, I hate it. If it is just doing the whole isn't everyone aren't like Broadway and movies and superhero movies and critics aren't they all just idiots that's less egregious I suppose um, I think it's just flippant yeah it's just like no, yeah I, I, no, maybe. I, I just think it's just all about ego and performance and showing you I, I don't think it's saying um, any of them are ridiculous I don't think it's saying any of them are the, whatever the opposite of ridiculous so you're saying it has nothing to say then I'm it's saying, just totally shallow and no, in that case I agree completely no no, no I'm saying it's <laughs> ego and performance I'm saying it's a meditation more so than a more so than a didactic mm. presentation okay which this got very wordy it did yeah <laughs> um, I liked it uh, very true very true if nothing else I think we're saying that people should see this because oh yeah did I'd recommend seeing it discussion. I'd imagine most people have already yeah probably is it still in cinemas even I this count point? that as a win guys I count that as a win Richard said we should go see it uh, alright um, we need right uh, let's speedily run through Foxcatcher because it's been out for ages now I really like this I enjoy the films of Bennett Miller in general this sort of spin on truth is something he's done before very well with Capote and Moneyball but I think mm-hmm. this is better than both of them I think if you went to this very cynically looking at it as like we were saying Chris Pratt is it Chris Pratt is eventually going to do this yeah. Channing Tatum's version of that that's very true yeah, yeah. it's coming out just for Oscar season but Channing Tatum might say Steve Carell no well yeah but I'm, t- I'm talking more the kind of airhead action guy mm. although he's kind of already no. transcended that in Jump Street but yeah. No, yeah. My, my point is if you go see this even with all that in mind the performances will probably win you over I think yeah performances wise it's fantastic I think it didn't really work for me as a drama but I look forward to reading essays about it <laughs> goes on uh, I hate I hate having to say this about films but it goes on 20 minutes too long yeah it does definitely yeah and it's a bit but I, I always kind of just accept that old biopics it's going to be mm. based on a true long. story I made the mistake of looking it up beforehand. Same, I know a I. lot of people who <laughs> yeah. did not and were taken completely by surprise do not look up the story because basically any American audience will, will apparently know the story already. Uh, I did not. I wish I had mm. looked it up. Uh, also, um, they recently had Al Pacino playing Phil Spector in a biopic. Can we remake that with Steve Carell? Because <laughs> I know it's kind of a similar story, but he's amazing in this. He yeah, is fantastic, phenom- but they're, they're all quite. I would, I would give yeah. him, the, I would give him the Oscar this year. Yeah. I genuinely. Um, Apparently, Sienna Miller was in that movie. I didn't even know it was Sienna Miller. I was like, wow, Sienna yeah. Miller is still working. Yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> also, actually, great out segue. She's also in uh, American yes. Sniper. You wouldn't recognize her. I haven't seen. I'm so surprised by this. I fucking loved it. 
Um, I fucking loved it. Um, I, I people have been saying it's too political. I thought no, this this kind of ignored politics. Yeah, I suppose let's give it a quick rundown first because I'm, I'm I agree. Like, there's been divisive stuff over this week. Mm. Yeah, it's about it's based on um, Chris Kyle, who was literally an American sniper, um, wrapped up, up them. the highest kill count in the American army, and was, based on his autobiography. Yeah, and was you know boasting about having made almost double the amount of kills uh, unconfirmed mm. but basically yeah so it's about a soldier who signs up to the army uh, sees 9-11 happen and basically joins the marine oh no is it the marines the seals no he, had, he, was, he was in the seals already at that was point they, yeah okay but he joins the seals and it goes over and ends up doing four tours in Iraq as uh, his kind of and the years go on you just see him hardened into this proper mm. uh, on the one hand people call him patriot on another it's kind of like he's kind of a murderer who happens to have a <laughs> uniform on um now this film is divisive because it's based on a real life character who many people are just stridently hate I went into it knowing it's based on a true story knowing nothing about Chris Kyle the real person loved it and came out and read about Chris Kyle and all it did was confirm to me that this film isn't making a political statement at all okay Okay. interesting Um, people are saying it it doesn't show any context of the war in Iraq I think that's a good thing well I I, and they're also saying that it's, it's painting him as a patriot I don't think either of those things are true I don't think it's meant to be about whether or not they should have been in Iraq or not, whether or not he was a killer. I think it's about war. It's a great film about war. Yeah. Like, there's one scene late, late in it where, um, and I can see Richard will have something to say about this, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. No, because honestly, because I think it's really interesting because people are just taking completely different readings from this, but this is yeah. my reading of it. People are saying it's a, it's a, like it's a, it's a right-wing flag. It's, it's a glorification yeah. of, yeah, flag-waving, Don't which I so. completely disagree with. It doesn't paint him as a hero. It also probably doesn't villainize him the way having read his brief as I had about the real Chris Kyle the way mm. he maybe deserves if I can make a joke okay. like that um, but I've also I have to chime in with this I any time Bradley Cooper does something in the future I'm going to stand up and take notice because he is really good in this yeah he's really good and it's one of those brilliant subtle performances that mm. not many actors are capable of most of the best scenes actually it's kind of I suppose it's, it's structured it's punctuated with scenes at home mm. as with a fake baby from all I've seen is the fake baby yeah, <laughs> the fake baby. Yeah. <laughs> okay that's a bit weird but, um, have you seen him or anything like that no oh no. sorry um, but yeah basically the scenes at home are where Bradley Cooper absolutely shines yeah. it's kind of showing how he's changing when he's back in suburban life as opposed to when he's over and do you know who else shines in this Sienna Miller is quite good I think Clint freaking Eastwood. It's the best uh, film he's made in years. <laughs> I think it's a return to form, but that's after a sorry five or six years. Yeah, which is a great thing. Yeah. Because uh, forget not, before those sorry five or six years, pretty much like which we're talking basically, I'm going to say everything he made after uh, uh, Flags of Iojima, I didn't enjoy. Uh, I love Flags of Iojima, but then you have, what, uh, Invictus, which was kind of... Oh, pants. that was crap. Um, the, uh, Jersey Boys last year, which was absolute see. pants... Hereafter, which I don't even want to like. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, that was Matt, Damon. Matt Damon's Smash after. Oh after, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, flick is very not good. <laughs> very, you heard it here first. <laughs> very not good. Uh, but uh, overall, before that, Clint Eastwood's career, career is a, oh, and also J. Edgar, which which is terrible. I hated Jerry Edgar. Um, it's the worst film yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio has been in, as far as I, I can judge. Um, but uh, yeah, before that, he was. Doozy of a filmmaker, and this is really a return to form. Yeah, I think. I only actually realised when I was looking up, I was doing the review for Film Man for American Sniper, how like annoyingly pro- proli- prolific Clint Eastwood. He's like at least one film a year for the last few years, mm. and many, many of them, like since he started directing with Play Misty for me, have been fucking classics. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to say this is one immediately, but as far as American films about war go. 
I rate this first of all I rate this above The Hurt Locker I enjoyed it more um, I thought it was and, but I also thought it was less it was less pro-war than The Hurt Locker yeah I think I think the main thing I need to say about this film is that it it doesn't people are looking at it as propaganda and I don't think it's that at all I don't think it lands on his side I think something that actually compromised it is the screenwriter for this film has been trying to get a, a, a film based on this book made for years mm. Chris Kyle died in 2013 and I'm mm. speaking sufficient this film was probably in production and it changed significantly the way they geared it right. like this film ends in a way that absolutely supports those who would read its propaganda but I think the <laughs> preceding two hours completely different um, the, the key scene in this for me is basically they set up I don't want to spoil too much for you mm, go ahead purely for dramatic in, uh, purposes they set up a kind of uh, nemesis sniper I've heard about this a lot yeah yeah He's dressed in black the whole time, yeah, and yeah, a big streaming bandana while he yeah. from roof to roof, you know, um, and that that kind of dramatic structure did bother me because it made it seem like yeah. it was made in a western almost. They were gunslingers yeah. by the end of it. Uh, but the key scene in this, I think, is he's on his fourth tour. His friends have died around him. His wife is telling him, "Please stay home," but he keeps. This is the point where he's calling Iraqi savages and saying, "I need to come <laughs> go over there and save the world," essentially, and they're brought in to oversee this construction thing and the soldiers are being picked off by an enemy sniper. Yeah. And straight away he asks uh, his unit leader, is it Mustafa, this nemesis sniper? And the unit leader, all the other new soldiers around just go, who? And he and his friend go, they get really offended and they take a step back and say, this is the guy who killed all our friends. This is the bad guy. And they go, well, we don't care. We just want to, you know, we need you to secure the site, whoever it is. And that's kind of what mm. made it for me is that he needed the war to be so personal and he couldn't keep it that way because All right, interesting. they were just yeah. flesh on the scales, essentially. There were just more bodies being thrown at. It doesn't matter what their politics were. And I whacked a overly poetic about that, but that, yeah. Uh, I'm going to run a very... Uh very quickly through uh, the next film just because I think if, it, if the people who listen to this podcast have almost certainly seen this already if they, if they haven't they're not going to but we do need to wax lyrical for two minutes about how brilliant Whiplash is oh god Whiplash Whiplash is brilliant <laughs> Whiplash for, here we go Whiplash for me is a better more satisfying movie than Birdman and has a better drum bass ju- drum jazz bass soundtrack yeah, what's that saying? Uh, Jupiter Ascending is going to have better sci-fi than American Sniper. It's a movie about drumming. It's a movie about drumming. <laughs> um, it's a film that's so good that it has really... Um, people have been saying it has no right to be, but when I heard about what it was about, I was very interested automatically just because the subject is so out there. Um, and it just works on every fucking level. I'd say when people got this script into their hands, they were clawing at each other to get into it because it's such... Oh God! It's it's everything cinema strives to be, uh, which I actually coincidentally mm. I also think Birdman is. Right. I really think uh, this is visually striking. It's got great performances. Yeah. It's got it's got perfect arc, perfect arcs all around, and it makes you think a lot. And as well, I this is one I did see on my own, and I had to run home and make my housemate go and see it <laughs> so I could have someone to talk to about this film. It's that good. You need to go see it because this will be coming up at dinner parties. For yeah. The ending is the most satisfying ending any film I've seen in a long time, and J.K. Simmons deserves every award I can get thrown at him. He's just absolutely yeah, he's brilliant. He does this thing. <laughs> he's terrible. Where he um, also a line that uh, will just not my tempo. That's not my tempo. Yeah. That's going to echo in popular culture. <laughs> I hope so. Sublimely, and also this thing. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the aircraft. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that definitely translated to the podcast. <laughs> But, um, Man grabs air on microphone. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure people are hearing this and if they've seen what that's the What does one hand clapping sound like? It sounds like this.
all right. Um, now I'm going to. I'm gonna. Okay, uh, Sean the sheep. Uh, I saw that this morning. Um, this is. Well, it's probably, to be honest, the weakest argument film I've seen in a while, but that being said, it's still pretty damn good. Um, it is not as good as either the source Wallace and Gromit cartoon, uh, 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 A Close Shave, which you should all see. It's available for free on YouTube. Wait, is John the Chief a spin-off of Wallace and Gromit? Uh, he was initially a Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. But he yeah. also had his own little... Yeah, I knew the other, like, the kid show. The TV show is is, is brilliant. Um, overall, it's a good uh, feature outing for him. I'm not going to get too much into the plot. People <laughs> who are going to go see this will see this anyway. If you're an Ardman fan, which I am ardently, uh, you will enjoy it. Ardently? Should I say ardently? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I missed the pun! I missed the pun! No, if you left it alone, people would have credited you and said that was the pun, and then, yeah. Uh, Cut that out, Steve. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is a uh, this is well worth everybody's uh, time if you're an Arban fan. Although it, kids will love it, it's very it's very funny and it's also the sort of thing kids should be laughing at. It's not Postman Pat the movie, and it's not Pudsy the dog. Go see it. Um, <coughs> Pudsy the dog. Yeah, I'm sorry, Rory was missing that. No, um, I still hurt. I just went to see. I was just at a Sony sponsored screening of the wedding ringer last oh, night oh do tell and no amount of free booze that they can give you in the screen there was free booze at it oh nice um, could, uh, could really prepare this for me and the worst thing was side. everybody was <laughs> laughing along with it everyone was enjoying it so you know what if uh, God, if, if you respect our opinions or mine don't go to see it it's terrible it's cynical filmmaking of the highest degree you can see it was built in test screenings, you can see, oh god, they laughed when they, we hurt the funny white guy. Let's do that. Just ten times more throughout the film. I really like the comedy of Kevin Hart. I really do enjoy his stand-up comedy. This is not it. They're not. This isn't like the way they constructed films for Eddie Murphy in the nineteen eighties. This is pure cynical rubbish. But that said, everybody in the screening room was laughing their ass off. So what the hell do I know? Don't go see it or listen to the majority of people who were in the screening room, which was quite full, who were laughing their ass off. They'll tell you go see it. I'm telling you it's a piece of shit. Make up your own mind. Um, inherent Vice. Yeah, very quickly. Paul Thomas Anderson's next one. P.T. Anderson. People P- keep saying that. Is that a thing? It's yeah. A, it's totally a thing. Clearly I'm not close enough to him. To <laughs> uh, this is based on the book by Thomas Pynchon, which if, if, if you're a Phil Marin podcast aficionado, you would have heard me rustling the pages of it. Has <laughs> <laughs> done lended it to me. Um, Lent. Lent is it? Yeah, yeah it's we'll about that afterwards. <laughs> um, I'm taking like pension liberties there. With All right, uh, uh, starting off, this is a director who, for me, uh, has yet to put a foot wrong, and he doesn't with this one. Now, Rory hasn't seen everything he's done yet. I have, and I'm a massive fan. Um, but here comes the but. This might be one for the fan because this is really, really dense. I wouldn't recommend this to three out of four people. Um, First of all, as well, I've read the book, so I, it's such a dense storyline. It's difficult to give a synopsis for. Joaquin Phoenix plays a PI hippie in 1970 Los Angeles, who is looking for a missing person, as suggested to him by his ex-girlfriend. And what unwinds is a conspiracy that may or may not go all the way to the top, or it may just be the paranoid fantasy of Joaquin Phoenix's doper lead role now everything that you want in a in an Anderson film if you're a fan is there he gets great performances out of people this is his second great performance out of Joaquin Phoenix Um, Johnny Greenwood shows up and does a great soundtrack once again 
and it's shot brilliantly. It's not a lot of people didn't like American Hustle. I did, I did, but a lot of people um, gave out about uh, what's essentially exploitation of the time cinema and taking advantage of that aesthetic with clothes and stuff. No, this mm. is shot like. It look people dress the way you imagine people would have. It's shot very well. It looks like you imagine the nineteen seventy Los Angeles hippie culture to look like. Josh Brolin as uh, Josh Brolin and Joaquin Phoenix's kind of body movie um, movie bits in it are very very good. Yeah. Um. They're they're probably the best scenes in the film. I didn't. In a weird note, I didn't start enjoying it really. There was like a good half an hour in the middle where I said, "Oh God, no! This is his turkey," uh, and then, kind of like it did with the master, but much more so with the master because I really enjoyed the master. Paul Thomas Anderson sort of rescued the show and tied it together, and I went, "Oh my God! Thank God! It makes sense! It's a complete picture! I'm enjoying this," and I did enjoy it for the finish. I really enjoyed it. In fact, I'm going to watch it again. But I'll say this now: three or four people will not enjoy this because it is. Very dense, very hard to follow. It may be called boring, and if somebody <laughs> called it boring, I wouldn't be able to criticize them too harshly. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I think I suppose to come in along the same thing. I literally just finished Access Light. It turns about four pages left. Works <laughs> uh, is a great companion piece of the book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you've read the book, I found the book very difficult to get, and apparently that's a that's beginner pension. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, this film helped me understand the book more. Yeah, even if it didn't, I, I would imagine if you cared enough to stick through the book, see the film. Mm. Um, when you say it kind of tied together towards the end, I need to see it again. I think you might be crediting Anderson a little bit too much, but as you say, you've seen more of his stuff than I, has, than I have, rather. And I'm very aware of the danger that I don't want this guy to ever make a bad film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if nothing else... Um, performances uh, which is kind of the thing that holds all together Phoenix is again the best thing in this Phoenix is yeah. Whacking Phoenix is some actor is and all I'll Josh say Josh Brolin playing this kind of hard ass hippie hating mm. cop uh, called Bigfoot Bjornsson <laughs> oh, he's wonderful he's brilliant um, it's not the comedy that the trailer will lead, will lead you to the trailer confused me I didn't know I didn't understand what the plot was I didn't understand yeah. what tone this movie was supposed to be <laughs> and I call this right now and say Richard won't like this movie I'm, I was going to say no, since no, I am that no. guy in this podcast I'll probably see it next week and next podcast I'll hate it but that's the thing <laughs> <laughs> for you to see it without having read the book it's I didn't like the master either so because the book the master. The, I feel if I can attribute a point to yeah. it it's scattered as you say you don't know whether he's imagining this or whether he's paranoid or whether there is an actual conspiracy it's scattered it's detached mm. it's almost too convenient things link up in a way that they shouldn't it didn't hang together as a film for me as well as it did as a book but okay. I would still definitely say see it performances Paul Thomas Anderson can shoot like anyone yeah. he casts brilliantly and yeah this is a like I could I sense an essay coming on if I was in <laughs> because there is a lot going on in this like anybody who watches this and people will watch this and say this meanders and makes no sense and it's just an exercise in pretentious wank they don't know Paul Thomas Anderson then because if you just took the rest of his filmography to look at I mean you even having not liked The Master yeah. I'm sure you would agree that this guy would never set out to make a film without thinking it through fully there's oh no a, yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot going on in this this isn't a dumb movie with a hollow heart there is a lot going on in this yeah I think but like my favourite thing about Anderson is he, okay he's slightly you could say he's slightly pretension for people who enjoy his stuff and will wax put it well he's kind of I even using that phrase last time but um yeah he's kind of niche in a sense but 
he's never remote. He's mm. never you never watch him just to be arty. I think you'll find something to okay. find yeah. if you sit down to watch him. Um, There's a great stretch of the imagination. Uh, sorry, I don't even know why I said it there, but for the mainstream public viewing, I hate saying it, but you could probably stop watching Anderson at Boogie Nights and just leave it off. But I wouldn't do that for the world. I and I, pre- I prefer people... his afterward output, and I love Boogie Nights. That's a five star film. Yeah, what's it's a good the movie. Yeah. One again that I watched? Punch Drunk, Drunk Love. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, I think a lot of people would enjoy that too, and there will be blood. But yeah, The Master. And this are, I wouldn't say they're companion pieces, but they're similar. If someone walks out, like during the screen, mm. five people walked out. Wow. Okay. Mm. Um, and I would say if you did that in the master, you'll do it in this too. Possibly. Yeah, f- um, quite a few people walked out of the master when, yeah. I, when I viewed it the first time. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Sorry, to, to, to And I say the first time, yeah, I went to see it twice. And I'm going to see guys. <laughs> yeah. I give a shit. I love this guy. I love this. And you know what? It's always the measure of a wanky movie and it just tells me I'm a wanker every year. I guarantee you at the end of the year when you look at the Cahiers du Cinema top 10 that's the French movie magazine that was founded by... Did you pronounce the Irish version of the word? Cahiers. Yeah, Cahiers. Fuck off. It's going to be on the... It's going to be... This, this will be in the top 10. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah I suppose to sum up if... This is going to sound condescending and it's not meant that way at all because I'm still not sure how I feel about Inherent Vice but... <laughs> If you're going into the cinema and you're looking to just pay your money, get your popcorn and enjoy something, you would probably, and I think you, Donegal, would agree with this, you'd probably steer more people towards the wedding ringer than Inherent Vice. I would never <laughs> steer anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing the results, okay, if... if oh, well, for, sorry, with my head in my hands, I would. I would go, go, <laughs> probably enjoy it, you pleb. Um, I'll shoot you on the way out, but, you know, go. experience that they got to come back and kick you between the legs, you'd steer them towards the wedding ringer. I wish there was a certain type of poison gas that would attach itself <laughs> only to people who are laughing. A kind uh, of reverse Joker toxin then. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> now, I, I've got one final one to speak about. Neither of you have seen it, and I freaking loved it. I'm going to give it my cinema movie of the week. Uh, Kingsman. Oh, I'm to see it. Is a doozy. Taron Edgar Egerton is such a fine. Matthew Vaughn, you're a gent for finding us all these newcomers. I've read the comic book. I thought it was... Yeah, it was okay. Uh, this is just great. This is just... It's just beautiful cinematic fun. People are often... I, this was, for me, like the Grand Budapest Hotel because I watched the trailer of the Grand Budapest Hotel and went, oh, it's happened at last. Wes Anderson's a parody of himself <laughs> and then he produced his best work yet. That's what this is with Matthew Vaughn as far as I'm concerned. People are, will might say... Uh, style over substance when it comes to this mm. filmography. This at last confirms that as far as this man cares, style is substance. And this is very, very, very fucking stylish indeed. It's funny. There's a few misjudged things in it. Michael Caine kind of phones in his performance and there's one part in it where he actually does act. But the thing is, it, that's not the big problem. It's just such a small role and he's such a big actor that he kind of sucks in a bit of screen presence and there's a bit of a vacuous hole where he would have not been but that said uh, <laughs> but that said um, it, it's, it's style is substance and if Michael Caine wants to do your movie then you let him I suppose mm. um, and other than that uh, there's a very 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 misjudged Samuel L. Jackson lisp which I really, really <laughs> think they should have reconsidered that's possibly in the trailers but it still looks like I a lot of fun I really should think they should have reconsidered it is a lot of fun I can't go near the ending but it it did inspire something in me that I would love to interview like academics around the country to do with politics, science and psychology and try and figure out a prognosis 
for how the world would be after the events that happen in Kingsman the Secret Service. Oh god, I, kind of I want to watch it right War now. <laughs> a kind of a World War Z of the, but but he Matthew Vaughn has such fun in these movies. He doesn't give a shit about the consequences. It's brilliant. Go see Kingsman. It's my film of the week definitely. And that said, Paul Thomas Anderson is probably my favorite my favorite director working in the world today, but go see Kingsman every time. Every time. Go see Kingsman before it. Uh, now, uh, lads, we've got homework for each other next week. Uh, I think we decided that based on the presence of Inaratu. We'd be looking at uh, foreign directors. Not foreign, that's very. I don't work in the visa office. Um, foreign language directors. Yes, yeah, and, and uh, who have done English language films. Who's translated yes. English films. Okay, I'm going to, uh, for you, Rory. Um, ooh, 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 uh, what was it I had dis- we decided on? Oh, yeah. Um, Stoker. Stoker, yeah. Stoker by... Uh, the Korean guy who did Park Oprah. Chan-wook. <laughs> Park Chan-wook. Oh, you made me say it. You made me say it. Give me a chance. <laughs> Park Chan-wook. Okay. Uh, and uh, you, um, we're going to give you... Uh, Snowpiercer, wasn't it? Snowpiercer yeah. by whom? I couldn't tell you. I can't remember it. Uh, one one pair of pay. In the basement. Uh, and, uh, mine, was that a name or word? Or just noises? Mine is going to be... I wish you what just was didn't it? guess. I hope that's actually... <laughs> um, I'm going to inflict Michelle Landry's The Green Hornet on you. Purely because um, I've only seen the first hour of it, but... It's an RT director doing a superhero film, so enjoy. All right, and uh, if you agree or uh, disagree with any of our film reviews, either comment online, but we won't get them that way because we don't have internet in the basement. So if you just want to maybe um, just just throw them in paper airplane form down the food <laughs> hole, Stephen Galwitfin will tell you where it is. I think it's located somewhere on Dame Street. Yeah. Hey, I've been Donegat Tiernan. I remain Rory Moore. And I'm Sir Richard Drum. Okay, but tonight I'll be Batman. Be good. <laughs> Let's go. Inconspicuously, through the window. <laughs>